What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. All right. If you are listening or watching this upon its release, happy April Fool's Day, you guys. This is one of my low-key favorite holidays, not to mention my mother's birthday. No joke. Happy birthday, Ma. Um, I know it's not a real, real holiday. You know, I, I don't think there are families gathering around the world right now to celebrate Saint Fool, but... There is more than enough heartache and hard times to go around right now. Just take the opportunity when you can, today and all days, to go make somebody laugh for no good reason. You know, embody that fool spirit. Go give complete strangers a stupid and silly reason to smile. <laughs> um, I have a bit of jet lag, I will admit that, from the Oregon Ghost Conference this last week, which was Awesome. I am so glad this was my first convention. I did do a live on Instagram, as I mentioned that I might. I have yet to decide if I'm going to post that. <laughs> I, uh, I opted to live stream a tarot reading that I got for myself. And the reading itself was fine. It was just fine. The camera woman, aka myself, not so much. I missed the mark, you guys. So I propped the phone up on the side of the table thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm going to get everything. I'm going to get the cards and the reader and I'm going to get me my reactions. That's not what happened. Um, we as the audience stare at the back wall of the Civic Center. You can see my forehead poking in a couple of times, but it's just that for like nine minutes straight. I really need someone to follow me around and just ensure that I'm not messing up very basic things. That's all I want. I, I need a handler, <laughs> you guys. Um, but again, the reading was uh, not half bad. It was a little dramatic in a few places. You know, I had a little bit of flair, but I can appreciate that. So thank you so much to my reader, Kat, uh, if you are listening. And uh, thank you for humoring me. The conference itself... Oh, man. I'm still, I'm decompressing. I'm still processing everything. It, there was just so much. Like, okay, so the vendors, right? So the Civic Center, it, it's a big cavernous room, like meant for performances and concerts and stuff. It was packed wall-to-wall -wall vendors, everything from energy healing and tarot readers and people selling crystals and dream catchers and there were psychics speakers all day long if you just sat and listened to speakers and that's all that you did uh you would have still had a great time and uh oh there was a very nostalgic and eye-catching rendition of the ghostbusters car 
and the uniforms that were being worn by members of Portland Ghostbusters. That was so cool. And then, of course, the courses going on upstairs. I certainly learned a lot. Uh, Lee certainly learned a lot. And we really cannot wait until the next one. And last little thing. This is your mid-season finale. Surprise! <laughs> I, uh, I got to look in at the lineup for the rest of the season. And dudes, there is so much more that we have got to get to. So I thought it might be a good opportunity to take a short breather, uh, gather my thoughts on the subject before we move forward. But in the meantime... We have some excellent conversation episodes lined up over the course of the next few weeks, so you can look forward to that before we get back into our UFO and alien deep dives. And also, the stars align sometimes, you know? Anybody else ever feel that? Like, timing is divine. I gotta say, the guest I have on today, really, truly, I could not be more grateful to have on to help me bring this mid-season to you. Before we get to my very special guest, support for the Paranormal Girl podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement, but this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code PNG to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. We have been traveling recently, you might have heard. Thankfully, the high-tech piece of art known as the Beard Hedger <laughs> comes with a hardcover zip-up travel case, uh, a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Perfect for the beard that just doesn't miss a beat that just won't quit, the kind of beard that says things like, did I stutter? <laughs> Lee was looking spooky fly at the Oregon Ghost Conference this weekend, thanks to his beard hedger and all of the liquid goodies that come included in the kit. Um, spooky fly. Somebody draw up that design. We were making t-shirts. I still got to get a pic of Lee's progress up somewhere. I don't know where to put it. Uh, speaking of progress, we went to a birthday dinner a couple of days ago, a couple of nights ago, and I was walking my mother, my elderly mother, inside of the restaurant, uh, you know, to go meet up with Lee and the rest of the family. And at first, she's she's looking around, you know, she doesn't spot him because she hasn't seen him in a few weeks, didn't recognize him. And so I pointed him out across the room, and she gets real quiet, and then she goes, oh, look at his beard. <laughs> As, as if I didn't know, like I wasn't aware. And I was just like, I know, right? It was it was just very cute um, and a, a proud moment for me. So if you too want to impress your in-laws from across crowded rooms and, and make your partners proud and get 20% off and free shipping, use code PNG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. My guest turned a lifelong interest in the paranormal into two of the most popular and successful podcasts in the genre. He is a published author of five supernatural bestsellers on Kindle, 
an incredible researcher, and a pioneer in the medium of paranormal podcasting. 18 years ago, the Paranormal Podcast was born, followed up by Jim Harold's Campfire. My guest is none other than Jim Harold. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, I was glad to have you share your story on the Campfire, which is a great story, by the way. And so glad to be here and spend some time with you and... Uh, your audience talking about some spooky stuff. Oh, well, we cannot wait for the spooky. Um, to begin, I, a lot of people, myself included, have been listening to your shows for years. We're very familiar with your work. For anyone who has not had the pleasure, would you mind uh, just telling us a little about yourself, your background, and your shows? Yeah, I mean, actually, the podcast started, I think, much like yourself, uh, from a genuine personal interest in the paranormal. And I also think, and something I appreciate when I was talking to you about your show, is that to you, you it sounds like you have, like me, the big tent philosophy of paranormal. When I talk about paranormal, it's not just ghosts. It's UFOs. It's cryptic creatures, a very broad kind of category. And way back in 2005, excuse me why I put aside my uh, walker here, but <laughs> <laughs> but way back in 2005, I'd gone to school for broadcasting and I ended up working in the media, but I worked behind the scenes. I worked in advertising and things. And it's like, I think I can do this, but I can't do it now because I've got a wife, two kids, a mortgage. I can't pick up and go to Paducah and start the broadcasting journey like you would have to do at that time. And I heard about this homemade thing, podcasts, and hardly anybody had heard about it. But I said, you know what, I'll just do this for fun. No intention of ever being pro professional. And I said, you know, I'm going to do it on the paranormal because there's not that many paranormal podcasts out there. In fact, that's how I was able to get the name The Paranormal Podcast. That tells you how early <laughs> it was. And um, it was just basically, you know, uh, one of those things where uh, – it just kind of took off a little bit and uh, uh, podcast for several years before I went full time uh, this uh, this summer. I'll mark my 10th year full time podcasting and just love doing it. Paranormal podcast is interviews with authors and experts about paranormal topics. And then the campfire is just regular folks coming in and sharing their personal stories of the supernatural. And it's the wide range Ghosts, UFOs, cryptid creatures, my favorite head scratchers, things you kind of don't fall in a category, shadow people, a whole wide range, and, and that's what we do. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you certainly uh, got a leg up with that broadcasting background. I'm sure that comes in handy. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, again, <laughs> I wasn't, on, I mean, in college, I was on the mic and on camera, but in terms of my work, time. I was just some guy schlepping ads. But the funny thing about that, what really worked out to my benefit was the whole time I was doing that stuff, I'm like, ah, I'm doing this. And I really wanted to be behind the mic or in front of the camera, whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, but the thing was, all of those skills that I learned on the business side that I was kind of cursing under my breath the whole time, I think that's what allowed me to do this full time. Because when you do this as a full time job, there's a lot of business aspects to it. And to make, to be able to create the content, you have to have kind of, unless you have somebody else who can do that. And since I'm pretty much a one-man band, I have a great virtual assistant and, and my family, actually. I've got my family into the act now. But the thing is, is that I had to have somebody on the business side to show me the way to go, and it happened to be myself. So uh, it's worked out great. 
Knock on wood, cautiously optimistic. I hope I can do at least another 10 or 15 years. Was there a moment when you realized, oh, maybe maybe I've got something here. Like, like this could really be big. Well, it's interesting because I had dabbled the first three years. I, I mean, I put out a show, but it was like I put one out one week and then I went and put another for two or three weeks. I kind of dabbled between 2005 and 2008. And then I remember I was sitting at my youngest daughter's t-ball game and listening to a podcast, I don't know, that might make me a bad dad. But at least I was there. <laughs> I was there physically. <laughs> but anyway, I was listening to Hardcore History by Dan Carlin, who is a Hall of Fame, great podcaster, still podcasting, fantastic. And an ad came on for Audible. And I had recently gotten a job with a big radio, national radio network. And I thought, this is going to be the job. I was At this point, I wasn't even thinking about podcasting as a job. This job is going to be the job. I'm working with a huge company. I'm kind of semi-managerial here. I mean, this is going to be the one that catapults me so I can, you know, become a manager of a cluster of stations and all these different things. And after about three months, I'm like, no, nah, this is a good job, but it's just a job. And it, simultaneously, I was at this t-ball game about this time. And I kept getting emails from people, Jim, when's the next podcast coming out? When's the next episode coming out? When's the next podcast? And, you know, over here in the other side of the fence, the business side, I'm beating my head against the wall and uh, a little bit. Uh, and um, I was listening to Dan Carlin and an Audible ad comes on. I'm like, dummy, there's a business to potentially be had here. So I told my wife, I said, I'm like, it's super serious. I'm never going to miss a week for the next six months. I'm going to really push. The end of the six months, I get a um, email from the agency for Audible wanting to place ads in my show. That was my sign from the universe, like saying, yep, you're on the right direction. You're on the right direction. Keep going. And I really believe that. I believe in our life. And this, you know, again, the paranormal to me is just not like terrifying, spooky stuff. It's also things like this. When you get a feeling about something or you get guidance, I think we're given little signs through our lives that try to point us in the right way to go. And I think that was a sign. And in fact, it was audible, which was kind of interesting. It was like, okay, you said six months. Here it is. Here's your sign. Now run with it. And I ran with it and it's been great. Wow. Well, I, I'm I'm with you there. I, I do try to listen and, and keep an eye out for the signs just from the universe or, you know, if you want to say from God, whatever. But I look for the signs and, and I do take them seriously and I, I yep. rely on those. Um, well, you have gone so much further than, than, than your initial, you know, ideas of a hobby. You now have the Jim Harold Media Network, which has a whole menu of all these other shows. It's like the secret Starbucks menu. Um, I certainly <laughs> I certainly had not heard of a couple of these. And now I'm happy to say I'm a big fan of the one that you do with Dar. Uh, you won't believe what happened to me. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you mind just uh, give us a little uh, teaser of these yeah, other that, shows? Yeah, that's... That's um, that one's one that's really not paranormal at all. It's mm -hmm. kind of a little bit of a departure. And we started off with Campfire Without the Ghosts, just the idea that people would call in with like weird stories. And there was something missing in the show. And I felt it was the interaction between the two of us. I felt we needed more of that. So I had to figure out a vehicle to do that. So years ago, I did a podcast because I experiment a lot because I consider this like my little laboratory here. The Spooky Studio is my little laboratory. So I try th some things and some things work and some things don't. 
Um, we did. A, I did a show called Weird News Radio, and I had a fantastic co-host, and she was great. But it just didn't seem to catch at that time. So we did. I don't know, forty episodes or something. And it was about silly stories in the news. And uh, Kate Patello is her name, and she's actually um, a professional classical music host uh, on a radio station up in Michigan. Fantastic talent. Uh, actually, I was not worthy of her. I mean, she she was great. Um, but, you know, being super busy and trying to do 27 things at one time, I decided, made the decision to sunset that show because I didn't think it was catching. So as we were trying to look at this Won't Believe show last year, the listener stories were fun. They were great. But I said, I don't want to get rid of that aspect of it, but I want to add something in. So I kind of added in that weird news radio piece where Dar and I, in this case, talk about kind of weird things that have happened to people in the news. And then we pop in at the end with a listener story or two. And and we've really started honestly getting very particular about the stories that we are on that. And it's been great. It's getting great reaction. Uh, I just feel the show's ready to take off. And so that's a fun show. That's a, that's a show that uh, really um, I just enjoy doing. Uh, and I think the audience is too. And it's kind of nice because I get to show a little bit of my personality because, you know, I'm a little buttoned up on the paranormal shows <laughs> and so forth, which I think, you know, it's serious material. Um, also, Jim Harold's Crime Scene is a show that I kind of brought back from the dead. I started a true crime show in 2011 before Serial. Uh, it was just interviews. It's very much like the paranormal podcast, just about true crime and just finished doing the 200th episode of that. And we'll see how that's received. Um, I've interviewed Pulitzer prize winners, uh, New York times bestsellers, really FBI agent. I've, I've gotten to talk to some interesting people and that, you know, uh, I'm enjoying doing it. We'll see how the audience responds to that one. Uh, my daughter does a show where she reads classic horror tales. She has a drama background. It's called Unpleasant Dreams. She's done Edgar Allan Poe, Lovecraft, things like that. And then the rest of my shows are part of my Plus Club. So if people are super fans, they can get access to my back catalog. You know, at any time on in, in my main shows, Campfire and Paranormal Podcast, you can get 13 episodes, the latest at any time. There's no charge for it. If you've never heard of me, Go to jimherald.com or the podcast app. Check out Jim Harold's Campfire, the paranormal podcast. Plenty to listen to. Plenty to listen to for absolutely free. You never have to spend a penny. But if you start listening to Campfire and say, ooh, I'd like to get those stories going back to 2009, that's where my Plus Club comes in. Plus, we do eight episodes of other content about other supernatural and paranormal things that are never on the free feeds. So I think I've got it down to somewhere around... 20 episodes a month, somewhere around there. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Busy man. Yeah, tw- yeah, busy, busy times. And and I don't mean to bore everybody with everything that I'm doing, but really the starting point, if you love spooky stories, is Jim Harold's Campfire. That's where I recommend everybody start. And some people love the campfire and never listen to another one of my shows, and that's just fine. Or if they want to explore the other shows, they're more than welcome. Well, I, I certainly personally love the Paranormal Podcast and Campfire, both equally, um, in addition to all of the shows that you produce. You have also published five books of the supernatural sort, um, all of them bestsellers on Kindle at various times. Tell us about the series. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm really behind because I need to restart that. We we did five of them almost almost annually for a few years, Um 
and we've done five of them. Each one has 70 stories from the campfire. And what I basically do is take some of my favorite stories. And what we do is we don't add anything. We don't change anything. We do rewrite it so you can read it. Because obviously when I'm doing an interview, it's an interview format. Jim asks a question, the guest gives an answer. And that's not an easy format to read. So we just take me out of it. <laughs> and we put in, you know, the answers to my questions and weave it into the narrative. But we don't change things. I think that's important if you're saying this book are true stories, these are real stories. I want to make sure they're accurate to what the people uh, have said, and we're very careful to do that. But make it in a pleasant way. And what's nice about it, it is a, a quick read, whether you're reading on your Kindle or if you want the paperback. What's nice about it is you can read two or three stories at a time if somebody's on, like, uh, uh, the, the the bus system or taking a bus or taking an Uber or something, you can quickly read two or three stories because they're a couple pages each. Um, just kind of really quick reading. I wouldn't say bathroom reading because that's kind of gross. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I'm sure that's happened. But um, and, and looking to put out a sixth one, hopefully, Hopefully this year. It's it's a lot with everything else we've got going on, but I, I think I – and I like that because there's people who will never listen to a podcast. And it's nice to think that some of these uh, stories can live on in a printed form as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I know we have limited time here together, but I did have a listener question, and it's probably something you've been asked before, but they wanted to know mm – -hmm. this is Dave Linabury, longtime listener uh, – what's the most amazing story that you've heard? Well, Dave, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, well, anybody who's been listening or heard me on any other podcast has probably heard this story, but I have to share it. The Roadhouse Saloon. And uh, this is a story of our listener, T.I., up in Michigan. Actually, she was in Wisconsin when this happened, and she, was, uh, she would go every year to this uh, campground, I guess, and spend some time, her and her family, with uh, friends up in that area. Sounds like a lot of fun. So anyway, her and one of her friends from the camp, his name was Bob, went about an hour away up to Wisconsin to see a band play. And it was at a bar, and they stayed till the end, 2 o'clock in the morning. They actually stayed and talked to the band because they are musicians. And uh, they were driving back to the camp, and it was like a two-lane road, totally dark, totally rural, nobody around, everything closed. And they're about halfway there. And T.I. tells Bob, hey, you know, uh, nature's calling. I need to go to the restroom. And uh, Bob says, well, you can pull up a tree. But other than that, there's not going to be much. And she said, just drive fast, drive fast. So they're going along and they see this bar, this saloon. In fact, it has a sign called the Roadhouse Saloon. And it was lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, neon, cars. And you know, like when you drive by a place and like the volume is loud and you can actually hear the music kind of boom, 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 boom. It's kind of right, like what right. was going on there. So anyway, they, they pull up. They're going in. They go into the place. And Bob said, oh, this is so neat. I, I remember now this place is supposed to have this great Old West mural on one whole side of a wall. And Bob was an artist, so he was interested. He'd never gotten to see it, though. So anyway, they go in. T.I. goes to the restroom. I think that uh, 
Uh, Bob goes to the bar and gets a couple of Cokes or whatever because, you know, you want to buy something if you come in. So they said, well, let's sit down and enjoy our drink for a moment and look at this mural. So they're sitting there and the people are kind of weird. They're kind of like blank staring, you know, kind of like smiling. And it's like, well, they're an odd lot, but, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, and then they looked uh, at the mural and, and they noticed something odd. The people painted in the mural represented the people in the bar. So there was a woman standing over here in the mural who was what they would have one time called a dance hall girl. Look over there. There's a woman standing over that is the same woman, obviously. Uh, the, the bartender in the picture is not a bartender, but he's somebody else, but he's in the bar. There's guys playing pool in the actual bar, but in the painting, they're playing cards. And they thought, boy, that's weird. And then they thought, you know what? Maybe it's just one of those things where it's an homage because these are regulars. The artist came here. He just used them as models. That's all. Okay, that makes sense. No sooner than that happens and, and things get a little stranger, they have this old Wolitzer bubbler jukebox, right? And uh, the jukebox, uh, you know, has records in it. And at that time, I think when this happened, I'm guessing early 2000s, um, that was not common because everything had gone to CDs. And now it's kind of funny. We've, we've gone back the other way. But it was actual vinyl records. And it was this old bubbler jukebox with the tube with the different colors, like the old school ones. And um, they were, uh, this guy was over by the jukebox and he puts on Chubby Checkered's Let's Twist Again. And he walks over to the table where T.I. is and smiles real big and has a mouth of rotten teeth. And he says, want to dance? <laughs> <laughs> and T.I. had a cane, and he hold, she holds it up, and she says, no, nah, I don't do much dancing. And T.I. said she's glad she had that cane because it gave her a gracious way to, like, not dance with the bad the guy with the bad teeth. So, boy, this place is kind of weird, but whatever. So they're taking, like, their last looks at this mural, but they noticed something different they didn't notice before. They looked at the the double doors. You know, in, like, old-time saloons like you'd see in the movies, there'd be the swinging doors mm -hmm. uh, where the guy would come in and say, I want to see so-and-so. I want to have a showdown, you know, kind of that. <laughs> so anyway, they see, like, two columns of mist in the painting in front of these doors, and they never saw that before. And they thought, that's weird. And they look back and it's like developed more, like kind of like an old school Polaroid picture. And it's a little more form and it seems to be a taller human and a shorter human. And then develops a little more and it's a woman and a man. And the woman has curly hair and boots and T.I. has curly hair and boots. And what really got her attention is when she saw the cane. Ooh. And then they said, it's time to get out of here. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they get up and they start to leave. These people are like, they're like blankly beckoning back and kind of motioning, come back, come back. Mm -mm. They didn't. They start to go out. They close the door. T.I. said everything went pitch black, almost like a void. In the parking lot, there aren't plural cars. There's one car. There's. All the neon signs are off. All the music stopped. It's like the place has been closed like any other bar would at 2.30 in the morning. With that, they leave. Now, that is an odd story. Right. But the story doesn't end there. 
story doesn't end there. T.I. is way braver than me. I say stay safely behind the mic here. You know, when I tell these ghost stories, I'm not out in the field. I'm not an investigator with EMF meters. I'm here behind the mic. But T.I. is far braver than me because she said, I'm going to see what's going on. So she goes back to the Roadhouse Saloon a few nights later, I think with her sister. And this was about 8 o'clock at night, so she wasn't so brave that she was going to go again at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but still braver than me. Smart She lady. goes back. She walks in. The mural is there. No people in the mural, though. I mean, no no people in the doorway. All the other people were there. Um, she walks over to the jukebox. But it's a different jukebox. It is, at that time, a modern CD jukebox. And, oh, by the way, no chubby checker. She goes over to the bar, and there's a young lady who's a bartender, and she's talked to her. I was here the other night. What happened to, like, the big, strapping, like, farm boy-looking, good-looking guy who was the, the bartender here the other night? And she said, ma'am, I'm sorry. There's nobody like that that tends bar here. The only people that tend bar here are me and my elderly father. And with that, T.I. left the Roadhouse Saloon has never been back. But there are two things that I have to tell you about this story. One is the place actually exists. Huh. And it is a restaurant. Now, I can tell you pre-pandemic, it was open. I don't know what the status is now. I haven't checked. Um, actually, I called there and tried to reach somebody for an interview because I know it's been on my show. And then I let the people uh, from the Spooked podcast know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know... It's just not, um, it's not a situation where you can deny. It did exist. It absolutely existed. The mural exists. I actually have a photo. I have photos of it. Chad Lewis, the great um, cryptozoological author and researcher, went up there and took photos. So I have photos of that. And actually, I did a YouTube video on it. And that's at my YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Jim Harold. <laughs> uh, I had to get that in there. Yeah. But the thing is, is that that video, I actually went up uh, pre-pandemic 2019. Me and a cameraman, like a you know guy who works for a TV station, went up and did a video package on TI. And I got to meet her in person. We talked multiple times over the years on the phone because she had a couple of other stories. And she's gone on to write her own book, so we kind of knew each other. And I got to tell you, she told me the same story in person. I believe it more mm -hmm. after after meeting her in person, looking her in the eye and getting her perspective on I just thought it was amazing and uh, just, a, just a great, great story. Man, I, I don't even know what to think about a story like that. I wouldn't know how to react if that were told to me. Um, yeah, T.I. about got sucked into a painting. It was an episode of The Twilight Zone. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, that's exactly what I thought was The Twilight Zone. And the thing is, is that I don't want to betray her privacy, but uh, I think she's retired now, but she was in a very um, public kind of respected profession. Uh, not that our professions necessarily define us, but not the kind of person you would associate with making up a tall tale. I absolutely believe her. Now, uh, you said something, uh, I think, on my show about your mom mm -hmm. really being open to these kind of things and the idea that reality is much stranger than we give it credit for. And that's right. like when people say, well, what have you learned from the shows? And they expect me to say, well, I understand what ghosts are. Or I understand what UFOs are. No. I don't understand any of that stuff, yeah. even after all these years. But what I do understand 
and I believe with every fiber of my being, is that our existence, our reality is far different than we understand, far stranger than we give it credit for, and there's a lot of things going on around us right now, you in your studio right now, that we can't see. Maybe it's loved ones behind us or at our side. I don't know. That gave me a little chill there. Um, <laughs> I did. I felt ooh. Uh, so maybe they're maybe they're here right now. And hello, everybody. Uh, but or or maybe it's the fact that there are multiple universes. I just interviewed a, a gentleman on the uh, Paranormal Podcast a few months ago. One of the more fascinating interviews I've ever had. Anthony Peak, mm-hmm. who wrote a book called Cheating the Ferryman, and he believes that we and I think we're going to get into some of this in a minute that we reincarnate as ourselves. But there's a different version of ourselves, like a higher being of ourselves, the Edelon, he calls it. Huh. And essentially the idea is when you get that little voice that says, Kristen, don't, don't go down that, don't make a left on that street, make a right. That's your Edelon. And it's almost like, like you and me are like the character in the video game. Mm-hmm. And the Edelon is like the player. Oh, And wow. they're guiding us so we don't make the same mistakes. And that they've been through it before, see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I know numerous times in my life, it's like if I had zigged and I had z- or zagged, you know, the other way, either I'd be dead or my life would have been dramatically different. But something told me to go in the direction I went. So that really got my interest because it's like, I think everybody's had that little voice. I'm not saying yeah. that's the right theory, but I do think. That kind of thinking supports the idea that our reality is way weirder than we think it is. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Jim? I, I always learn so much from you. And I you just taught me something new, a term, Edelon. Um, that's yeah, incredible. Thank you. thank you for that. Um, and thank you for the story. And, uh, you know, while we're on this subject, uh, Dave actually had a follow-up question. He he wanted to know what personal experience that you had that, you know, and it ignited that passion or made you want to get into this. And, and maybe it's along the lines of what you were just talking about. Do you want to tell us about a time that, you know, that you did not zag? Well, uh, an easy one is uh, when I was dating my wife uh, before we were engaged. This would have been, because I'm old, this would have been 1994. (laughs) And uh, I was young at the time, though, (laughs) like five years old. No, but uh, (laughs) no, we were going to, I was very young, though, but we were going to, uh, I live in Ohio, and there's a big coaster park here, Cedar Point. If any, It's like America's biggest roller coaster uh, Cedar Point, America's biggest roller coaster park. No. But um, anyway, we were going there because uh, I hate, you know, you didn't make any money, but you always got tickets and stuff at radio stations. So I had gotten some tickets. We went there, and I lived like in the inner city at that time in a relatively rough area, but it was an uh, area that was kind of going downhill, but it was still considered relatively safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she lived in the suburbs. And it was about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes uh, apart from, about 30 minutes away from each other. So anyway, I drive her home. I go from the west. I go basically past where I live to the the, the far east side. And I drop her off. And then I have to come back to the middle, which is Cleveland. Um, and I drop her off. I start to drop her off. And she said, no, you, you really should stay here. And we'd been dating maybe three months, four months at the time. And she lived at home with her folks. 
And uh, her dad was like, you know, this tough Italian guy and, you know, kind of intimidating. And uh, she said, you know what? Ask my dad if you can sleep on the couch. I'll, I'll ask my dad if you can sleep on the couch. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I mean, it just felt weird, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm just meeting these people to sleep on their couch. She said, you're going to fall asleep if you go home. You're going to fall asleep. And she was probably right. But there was something else. <laughs> There's something else I'll tell you about in a minute. So anyway, I reluctantly say, you know what? I'll sleep on her couch. And he said yes, and I slept on the couch. In the morning, we had a nice breakfast, and that's kind of when I felt like, you know, this is this is going somewhere. I'd felt that before, but even more so. So anyway, I'm going back home, la, 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 la. I pull up in front of my A-frame house. It's kind of like the houses in Christmas Story, if you ever saw a movie, they're like those old mm-hmm. A-frame houses. And I had the front half, and uh, this gentleman had the back half. So it wasn't a great area, but it wasn't a horrible area, which is interesting. Yet now it's like, you know, (laughs) don't go there. But anyway, what happened was he, um, the the neighbor's son lived in the back apartment. And I saw him pointing at the house, talking to a neighbor. I walk up, I say, hey, how are you doing today? How's it going? You know, I was all happy. And he said, we got to talk a minute. I'm like, okay. And we go over to the side. He's like, there's been a drive-by. There's been a drive-by. There's been a drive-by. Whose house? Whose house? Our house. Oh. Um, There had been a drive-by shooting at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, My double-door avocado gold uh, refrigerator that I had got as a hand-me-down from my uncle was uh, taken out of commission. It was shot on one side, hit a ketchup bottle out the other. My new microwave, which was the first appliance I ever purchased— for a place, uh, took a direct hit right into the door. I have pictures and a piece of shrapnel. And apparently what happened was, because when the police come came, they said, what does this guy do for a living? And uh, the landlord's son said, he works for a classical music radio station. Uh, which was kind of funny, because they were thinking I was some kind of drug yeah. kingpin. Yeah. You know, um, what happened was we lived in a dark blue house. And it mm-hmm. was next to a light blue house. And if anybody has seen like a lot of these street lights they use in cities, which are horrible, they make everything kind of, they change the color. They make it amber and orange. Mm-hmm. So at three o'clock in the morning, their house looked white, the next door neighbor. Our house looked very blue. These people meant they hit the blue house. Well, they hit the blue house, but they hit the wrong blue house. The The group next door, the group next door were a bunch of unsupervised teenagers, I think, who crossed a motorcycle gang and maybe there was something about stolen motorcycle parts or something. And if I'd been in my house, granted, I I slept on the second floor, the kitchen where the rounds hit was on the first floor, but I could have been downstairs to get a drink of water. Who knows? Or maybe they would have been lying in wait and looking for movement. Who knows? So, I mean, that's a definite zigzag situation. And I think all the, I mean, the fact that I got tickets that weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, my future wife uh, said, hey, sleep on the couch. Uh, the fact that I agreed to it, you know, all those things. Or they chose that night rather than the night before, the night after. I mean, there's so many things for that to have to have worked out okay. Right, right. And not not even to mention that 
Obviously, nobody was supposed to be harmed that night. It was meant for somebody else. They didn't lose their lives that night. And you luckily, you luckily were not there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wild story. And absolutely true. I mean, I'll swear on a stack of Bibles that happened to me. That is an intense story. Thank you. Yeah. All right. More than you thought, Uh, huh? Yeah. I was uh, literally on the edge of my seat over here. (laughs) Um, So I I wanted to be sure to just hit on one more subject before we come to our final questions, final thoughts segment. Um, And that is, I I hear word on the street is that one of your favorite subjects is uh, the subject of life after death. Yes. And uh, yes. why why is that? Well, it really is very simple. Um, it's because we might not all see a ghost. We might not all see a UFO. We might not all see a cryptid creature. We may not even have a paranormal experience, even though I think most people have something weird that happens to them. But whether you believe in death of the spirit, we're all under, going to undergo physical death. Whether we are 8 or 80, eventually it happens to everybody. Father time is undefeated. So we're all going to have to go through that door. And what lies on the other side that, of that door is, to me, the ultimate mystery. And if you knew the answer to that, it would also unlock a lot of these other mysteries. I mean, I think mm-hmm. everybody, even somebody who doesn't believe in any of this, I, I think when it's 3 o'clock in the morning and they can't sleep and they're thinking about their life, they're thinking... What really does happen when we die? And I would say the same of people of faith and people who believe in an afterlife like me. We even have our own questions, right? Because, I mean, people have come through through NDEs and things, but nobody has really, really gone and come back, maybe for short periods of time. So I think it's fascinating. NDEs fascinate me. The mm-hmm. idea that people can be clinically dead, but then they can describe from an overhead view, what's being done to them. And people try to explain away and say, oh, they see the tunnel because of oxygen deprivation, or they have this giddy feeling because of dopamine and the the body's dying process. All that might be true. But how can someone say, well, the doctor did this and handed, and this implement was handed to the doctor and they did A, B, C, D, and it be accurate. Explain that to me, skeptic. Explain that to me. So that to me is... The biggest question. I mean, you know, aliens, that's up there. Existence of God, absolutely up there. I happen to believe that there is a creator and there is a God. Uh, I respect people who feel differently, but that's my point of view. But I think if you answer the afterlife question, you answer a whole lot of those other questions. Right, right. Well, um, have you have you solidified any ideas or theories um, of your own about what it might be like, what it might feel like? I think we live on, and I think our souls live on. And I would like to think this is more of a wish than a no. One thing I would like to do, this is like kind of my idea of part of heaven. One thing would be great to get all that knowledge and kind of say, oh, that's what that's all about. Oh, that's what the UF, though. Okay, now, 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 or or God, why didn't you do that? Oh, now I see. Oh, that makes sense. I'm sorry I doubted you. That would all be cool. One thing that I would look forward to, I mean, I think all of us, and once you get to a certain age, um, even more so you have loved ones, friends, people who pass. And, I, you know, it's getting to the point now 
that I'm just amazed, and it, it, it'll eventually happen to everybody, how many people you know who are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so sad. And I'd like to think, and, and this even extends to pets, I, 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 I would like to think that we'd all meet again. And kind of my idea, because I've heard people say, well, heaven is, you know, it's going to be what you want it to be. And I don't know if that's true or not. But if it is, one feature I would like is like this family picnic, right, where you're reunited with your family and you get to have like a family picnic. And then you can introduce people you knew to people that they didn't know on this earth. It's like, remember I told you about so-and-so? Well, well, here they are. Or like, you know, I could I could say to my mom who passed 10 years ago, well, you didn't know this, but I met this person. They're really neat, and here they are. Why don't you meet? Why don't you talk a little bit? And just kind of like basically fellowship and socialize a little bit. Um, and uh, I was joking, it's like... Uh, I wish it were 100 years and somebody says, that would seem a long time for a picnic. And I said, well, maybe not 100 years. I might get a little old after a while. But I would love that that reuniting kind of thing. Um, and we'll see if it happens. I guess I guess we'll all find out one way or the other. Yeah. Well, Hopefully a long time from now. Hopefully, yes. Well, uh, as, as long as I could talk to you about the afterlife and all of that, we do have to come to an end here shortly. So um, I'm going to ask you some final questions and get your final thoughts, and then we'll close it out. Sure. All right. Sure. Um, first question comes from another listener. Mike from the Extreme Paranormal Podcast asks, would you consider going on a paranormal investigation? And if so, what would be your number one spot to investigate? Sure. Sure. Um, I would. I don't think I would want to make a regular thing of it because I think being um, separate a little bit has some value. You know, maybe not being a practice. It's kind of like I compare it to. uh, And by the way, we have a few more minutes. I was looking at my calendar, so we have a few more minutes. Um, (laughs) It basically boils down to. If you watch a football game, you know, a lot of uh, announcers are pro football players, fast uh, past football players. But then there are just standard broadcasters, right, who didn't play the game. And I think I value both opinions and I would hate to lose one or the other. And for me, I'm kind of like that announcer who never played the game. So would I go on a um, ghost hunt? Absolutely. Would I want to make it a thing for me that I regularly did? No, because I like to maintain that distance. Right. Uh, probably the place I'd like to go, which is really ironic, I've never been inside of it, is a place I used to pass all the time when I was a kid. Um, Weston, West Virginia. My family was originally from West Virginia. And we used to go down and visit my grandparents every year. And they would pa- play, uh, pass a place called the West Virginia State Hospital. Well, that wasn't in its original name. It was, and this is an unfortunate name, but this is what it was called, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be the place that I would want to investigate the most, just because I have that connection having um, driven by there. And it it was a little rougher time and people were a little less sensitive to these issues and things, but there used to always be the joke of like... Uh, because my family called me Jimmy, like, well, here's where we're going to drop Jimmy off, you know, <laughs> kind of having a little bit of fun at my oh, expense. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but, 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 or cracks would be made a, uh, between the family about who was going to go in those things. And I realize that's insensitive, insensitive, but that is, it was a different time, as they say. Uh, but the point is, I would love to um, 
do an investigation there. And I do think about those places and how people, unfortunately, were just horribly mistreated Mm -hmm. and people were put in those institutions. I mean, you know, in terms of women who were horribly mistreated, I, I can't say that institution. I don't know the history, but some institutions, men could put their wives in an institution basically because they wanted to. They could, right. you know, just say she's hysterical and all this horrible stuff. So all, all all joking aside, it's very sad what some of the people had. And then people who had real mental issues, but in these places, some of them, and again, I can't speak to the history of that specific place, but you have to think there's a whole lot of heartache in those places, which, you know, we, we know can likely lead to manifestations of some sort. So that would be one. Wonderful. I mean, not wonderful, but that's um, a good choice, something I hadn't even thought of in a while. But you're absolutely right. A lot of energy there. All right, next question. We're going to enter an alternate reality here for a second. (laughs) (laughs) In this alternate reality, you had your same background, same upbringing, same work experience, same training. Mm -hmm. 18 years ago, you started a podcast. The difference in this other reality is that you did not have the same interest in the paranormal. What was that show about? Um, maybe history. Ooh. I love history. Yeah. Uh, I always have loved history. I don't know that there's a market for it. Although Dan Carlin, I was mentioning him earlier, has done fantastically. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say definitely, All definitely. Right. So um, I think history would be it. I mean, if I did it solely, you know, and again, I want to stress something. The, the choice of the paranormal had nothing to do with commercialism. Mm-hmm. People think, ah, you saw the paranormal shows. You wanted to be, right. you know, make money. I, I thought the podcasting was going to cost me money. And it actually <laughs> did cost me money for the first seven or eight years. It wasn't a money in situation. It was a money out. I thought, if anything, it was like, how am I going to explain to my wife I'm spending this $30 a month, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is this is that um, what I'm doing now was never based on this is going to be my job, this is going to be a business. Um, It was based on basically the idea that um, I was fascinated by the paranormal going back to as a little kid, very little kid watching In Search of and Unsolved Mysteries. And uh, it never left me. And that's, that's why I ended up doing what I'm doing today. That's awesome. In, uh, in doubt, go with your passion. All right, final question for you. I brought this one out of retirement for you. One of my favorite paranormal podcasters. I got to ask you one of my favorite questions. You die and you become a ghost. Mm-hmm. Who do you haunt to scare? And who do you haunt because you don't want to leave? Well, the last one's easy. My wife and kids. Um, the other one? Maybe people who do bad things to other people. How about that? I love that. All right. Well, where would you like to direct my audience to find, follow, and listen? Well, first of all, most of your audience, I think, is going to really enjoy Jim Harold's Campfire. That's kind of the entry point for my shows. I think it's the most accessible of my shows. You can find Jim Harold's Campfire on any of the podcast apps or at jimherald.com. If you're looking for a show that is more... Uh, an interview show about different paranormal subjects. And we kind of do a little bit opposite of what you do. We kind of give you a little bite-sized 30, 40 minute show every week and the topic changes and then you can explore more on your own. Uh, That's the paranormal podcast and same deal goes. You can find it on all the podcast apps and also 
at uh, jimherald.com. And uh, I almost forgot. I do so many things. Sometimes I forget what site I'm pointing people to with those <laughs> kind of things. But, but it's um, jimherald.com. Okay, wonderful. And to close us out, do you have any final thoughts, words of wisdom, or a piece of advice you would like to leave with us? I would just say keep an open mind, keep exploring these topics, and, uh, you know, listen to Kristen's podcast, listen to my podcast, um, and other podcasts out there, and just keep an open mind and realize, you know, ghosts aren't always dead people. Uh, maybe a, a cryptic creature might not always be Bigfoot. It might be a bear. It might be something else. But know that the world is a far stranger place, and some of these things really, really do exist, I believe. Jim Harold, host of the Paranormal Podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire, and many others. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and uh, just really uh, a, a great time. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much to Jim Harold for coming on the show. Be sure you follow him on his socials so you never miss an update and catch new episodes of Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast every week. He certainly has a lot going on over there. Be sure you check out some of his other shows, too. I'm telling you, the show he does with his wife, uh, you won't believe what happened to me. It's very enjoyable. It's not paranormal, like he was saying, but if you have been a longtime listener you're really going to like getting to hear a different side to Jim. And his wife, Dar, is she's hilarious and wonderful. It's really good. I recommend. Check it out. And follow this show. Like this show. Subscribe. Rate. Review this show. It, it really helps me bring more incredible guests on, such as Jim Harold and literally every person I've ever been lucky enough to have on as my guest. Not one conversation episode has gone by that I have not learned something new. Just awesome people. So that is your call to action today. And every day, push all the buttons and the stars and the thumb icons. Help a sister out. Uh, that's all I've got for you. That is a wrap. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you all back here Tuesday. Until then, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.